Well, hello and welcome to Vaughn Forest. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name's Adam, one of the pastors here. It's great to see all of you on our campus. I want to welcome everybody joining us online as well. And if you are on our campus, I hope you've enjoyed yourself uh, today. This is one of my favorite Sundays of the year when we do our Christmas party on Sunday morning and uh, just lots of fun stuff. The live nativity scene and the camel has behaved this year. So we're excited about that. At least by, at least the last I heard, the camel has been behaving. So that's exciting. Um, hopefully we're able to go by and enjoy that. Um, hopefully saw R2-D2 going around the lobby. I mean, where else can you see that on a Sunday morning? That's kind of fun. Um, there are the photo booths. They're kind of around the corners. If you didn't get the photos with your family this morning, make sure you get that before you leave. If you haven't seen the Christmas tree, uh, make sure you see that. Um, if you didn't grab an ornament off of the Christmas tree out here in the lobby, uh, make sure you do that. That's our partnership with Live the Promise. Um, all of the kids that are on the tree are in the foster system here in the River Region. And so many of you have already done an amazing job purchasing gifts. Morgan and I were getting some texts with some y'all this week. But if you haven't done that yet, you can still grab one today. And if you have grabbed one, make sure you bring your gift back um, by next Sunday. And so uh, we'll be able to be a blessing for them. And then how awesome was it to get to walk into church and hear live music in the lobby from a high school band called the Velvet Trio. Can y'all give them a hand this morning? That was awesome. Man. Such gifted high school students in our community. So let me tell you how that happened. So the Pike Road High School band concert was up here this week, this past week on a weeknight Christmas concert, and they were playing in the lobby before the Christmas concert. And we were like, I wonder if we could book them for Sunday morning. And they're like, absolutely. So they came up here and they played. Did such a great job. And it just really added to the kind of Christmas, kind of festive spirit. So man, what a fun day. So this has been awesome so far. And we're really kind of doing a lot of celebration today. We're obviously celebrating because it's the Christmas party but we kind of wanted to take today and make it almost like a celebration Sunday for all of the things that we've seen God do this year. And man, God has been so good to us. We've seen God do some remarkable things in the life of our church this year. And so I'm going to share today. I've got a message prepared um, with our Hidden Christmas teaching series. I'm really excited about that. But before we get to the message, we wanted just to kind of maybe try to capture in a video everything that we've seen God do this year. And can I tell you, that was impossible. We can't capture everything that we've seen God do this year. But we were able to capture a lot of the highlights of everything we're thanking God for from 2022. So before I share the message with you today, take a look at this video. executive pastor for Operation of Vaughn Forest Church, and I really appreciate Love Week because it takes what we do all year, and that is serve our community, no strings attached, and we just concentrate it where it's a chance for families can come out, individuals can come out, serve our community. 
my name is Jay Coley. Me and my wife go to Palm Forest Church, and this is just a very small token of you know, our appreciation and giving back to the community. We've been blessed in so many incredible ways. You know, it's not much, but every little bit counts, and uh, this is just our way of giving back. appreciate everything Vaughn Forrest from graduation to all the things where Vaughn Forrest steps in. That's a true community service. That's a true servant's heart. It's like anything in life. Your reputation precedes you and the reputation of the church and what y'all do for the community precedes y'all. That but before I'd ever step foot on this on this property, that's all I've heard about y'all. Was they do this and they do that and they do this all oh, they're awesome from every different direction, not just teachers and principals and stuff, but from people, you know, parents and stuff and that, that don't even go here. And uh, I just want to thank you for that. to be offering uh, this discipleship, this encouragement, uh, not just on Sunday, but the other six days of the week. That's why we're calling it The, the Other Six. That's right. So, well, hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number 10, 20, 40, 50, 60 of The Other Six Podcast. Welcome to the one-year anniversary of The Other Six Podcast. 
I believe the same God that spoke creation into existence, not just this world, not just this solar system, not just this galaxy. I believe that same God, the same God who created you, the same God that has a purpose for your life, that he wants to speak to you in a personal way. Did you know God's not disappointed with you, upset with you, frustrated by you? God actually loves you. Not only does he love you, he likes you. And he's actually for you. Do you know what God did to reconcile you back to him? He sacrificed his only son so that you could have a relationship with him. God did that for you. Hey, can we celebrate all that we've seen God do this year? Isn't that awesome? Man, love it. Our team did such a great job putting that together. And sometimes it's just good to pause and stop and reflect on all that you've seen God do. Man, what an amazing video. So grateful, okay? Now, grab your message notes. All right, we still got a message to get to, okay? And if you're here on our campus, they're inside your bulletin. If you're joining us online, um, you can access those message notes right here at vaughnforest.com. Again, we're continuing on our Hidden Christmas series. I'm excited about what we're talking about today. So let me give you the title of the message, and uh, we'll jump into those notes here in just a second. The gift of hope for future generations. We just saw a bunch of kids and a bunch of teenagers um, in that message, in in that video, rather. And really, If we could summarize what Christmas is, isn't it God giving us an incredible gift of hope by sending his son Jesus to the world? And and what I want to do today is I want to connect some dots. I want us to connect the dots of what we celebrate every year at Christmas, this gift of hope, Jesus coming, and then what we've been called to as Christ followers, as the people of God, when how we take that gift of hope and we pass it on to the next generation. So you've got some message notes. We're going to get to those three principles here in just a minute. But before we get to that, I'm going to kind of paint a picture. I'm going to lay out some, a foundation, if you will. I'm even going to give you an opportunity to draw in church today. That's going to be kind of fun. So you'll get to do that as well. So we'll get to those points here in just a minute. But first, let me kind of lay a biblical foundation for how we're connecting these, not, these uh, dots today. All right, here's the first principle. There is a clear expectation in God's word that each generation proclaim the message of hope to the next generation, whether it's in the Old Testament, whether it's in the New Testament. So give me a biblical foundation from the Old Testament, actually. Psalm chapter 78 that speaks to this principle. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would what? Tell their children. See the pattern here. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. So this is all over God's word, that we take this great message of hope, we pass it down to the next generation. Let me give you kind of the second principle to unpack with this. In the Bible, people moved immediately from childhood to adulthood, So this was not as complex as it is today. Now, we talk about passing on the gift of hope to the next generation today. We think in terms of teenagers, uh, pre-adolescent kids, children's ministry. Understand that when the Bible is written, Old Testament, New Testament, you moved from childhood to adulthood. Then when you turned 12 in that culture, you were considered an adult. We see this in the Christmas story, don't we? 
So if Mary and Joseph, and oftentimes when we talk about it, we'll say, so when Mary was a young teenage girl, the angel Gabriel came to visit her. Well, understand, if you're living in the first century, you're not going to describe Mary as a young teenage girl. That, that's actually a sociological term that came about in the 20th century. So by the time you were 12, you were fin- figuring things out. Are you going to be an apprentice? Are you going to learn the family business? Maybe you're going to become a rabbi. So you're going to some type of training for that. And so childhood to adulthood is less complexity than what we have today, which are seasons of life that look a little different for kids and for teenagers. And then the third principle I just want to kind of lay down as a foundation is that 2,000 years of church history has brought us to a pivotal crossroad with how we will continue to pass on the message of hope to the next generation. I appreciate letting me be so wordy with that principle. I couldn't figure out a way to make it more succinct. Here's all I'm trying to say. We are at a pivotal crossroad. So our family story as God's family, the church, started day of Pentecost, 2,000 years. Here we are now, 2,000 years into church history. And might I suggest we're at a pivotal crossroad. Why? I don't have to tell you this. The direction of our culture and our society is not exactly moving in lockstep with the truth of God's word. That if you're a kid or a teenager today, by the time you become an adult, being a light in this world would be more difficult, not less, than it is right now. The other thing that's interesting and unique about this season is that we are living at a time where there are actually four different generations of adults who are present. In fact, that's kind of the big idea that I want to camp out on here for a second. Four different generations of adults equally present in our population today. And, and that can present some benefits. That can also present some challenges. Let me, see the, let me share with you the challenges as I see them. When you've got four generations of adults that exist in our society, what's easy to forget is the next generation. That we've got an entire generation of kids and teenagers, and far too often the four different generations of adults will spend their time focusing on how maybe to get their way, if I can say that, and maybe ignore the needs of the next generation. So the purpose of our message today is to talk about how can we take this gift this message of hope, and pass it on to the next generation. But in order for us to understand how to do that well, church, I think it's good for us to take a moment and unpack these four different generations. And one of the things I'm grateful for as a church is that we are a multi-generational church. And that's a blessing. And I love that about our church. And if you knew Vaughn Forrest, know there's a lot of people who worked really hard for that over the years. Yes, God's blessing and yes, God's favor. But we've been super intentional about that as well. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk us through the four generations of adults to maybe help unify us a little bit on how to go about ministering to the next generation. So I got four quadrants. I'm a big fan of four quadrants, okay? So if you want to draw now, you can flip your message notes over and have some fun drawing. Tic-tac-toe if I get boring, okay? So we're going to walk through these four generations. Let me get the first one we're going to talk about today. Again, four generations of adults, the builder generation, 75 and older, sometimes referred to as the greatest generation, So my grandparents, they're all now with the Lord, but they were part of this generation. So both my grandfathers fought in World War II. And and the older end of the spectrum of the builder generation, they're the ones who brought us through World War II. And anytime, there's not a lot of veterans left from World War II. If you meet one, thank them. In many ways, the freedoms that we're experiencing today are directly related to the service of this generation. Now, if you're on the younger end of that spectrum, closer to 75, you were probably born right about the time that World War II ended. And in many ways, The values of this generation shaped the values of our nation for decades. In fact, when we talk about generations, that's really what we're talking about. 
Yes, there are age differences in years, but what we're really talking about are differences of values and value system. And listen, I am speaking in very broad general terms. I know there's always exceptions to this, but again, just kind of a surface level understanding of that will help us. So what are the values of the builder generation? Devotion, dedication, loyalty. And those values in many ways shaped our nation in a post-World War II world. And we owe that to the builder generation. I really do believe they were the greatest generation. Now, the next generation I want to talk about are the baby boomers. If you're age 50 to 75, you would kind of fit in this demographic. And the baby boomers are called that because of how many of them there are. So in an 18-year period, there were 76 million babies born. So what's happening there? Well, 1950s, post-World War II, the development of the suburbs because Eisenhower built the interstate system so people could live in suburban communities, drive to the city for work. They could have a cul-de-sac and 2.5 kids. And that's exactly what they did. Some families had 3.5 kids, okay? So lots of kids being born in this season. And here's what's interesting about baby boomers. They've literally changed the landscape in every season of their life. So as they became teenagers, they changed the landscape in music and in culture and in arts and many other things. As they entered their 20s and 30s, they changed the landscapes and politics and government and leadership and all of the other things. And now as boomers are in this season of retirement, they're changing that landscape as well. Maybe you work in an industry that focuses on retirees. You're seeing that. We're going to have to shift our strategy towards boomers as they enter into retirement. Here's kind of a maybe a value of baby boomers. We're going to have a better life than our parents parents. And listen, that value was instilled in them from their parents. The builder generation wanted their kids to grow up and have a better life than they did. And not everyone, again, I'm speaking in broad general terms, but for many, that was the experience they were able to have. Okay. The next generation I'll talk about are the Gen Xers. We, we just got stuck with a letter and that's ages 37 to 49. Now that's the generation I fall in. And, and so the Gen Xers in many ways are the exact opposite of the baby boomers. So there were 76 million babies born in the baby boomer generation. There were 43 million babies born in Gen X. And so the Gen X is a smaller uh, demographic. And uh, we kind of grew up in the early to mid 80s. And, and there were a lot of dynamics kind of at play, the, the kind of the economic downturn of the late 70s. And, and maybe some of the first time really institutional leadership was being questioned at a high level, a little bit of cynicism kind of setting in with parents of Gen Xers. And the baby boomers were the first generation to fully embrace like dual income houses. So both mom and dad are going to work. And so a lot of Gen Xers, there weren't like these elaborate daycare systems established. And so they just put a key around your neck and put you on the bus and said, good luck. That was kind of how that worked. So that's where the term latchkey kid came about. Can you imagine seeing a kid today with a key around his neck going, I'm just gonna go home by myself. They would lock those parents up, okay? But if you grew up in the 80s, that was called normal, okay? So that's just kind of how that worked. And, and this generation kind of grew up with, honestly, it's a little bit of angst. Like if you listen to some music from the early 90s, there's a lot of angst. It doesn't really matter what the genre is. And yet Gen Xers are now obviously in the workforce and in many walks of life. Okay, so that's that generation. And the last generation of adults we have right now are the millennials. Now the millennials are those who are ages 20 to 36. We'll put that up here in just a second. And the millennial generation, a lot of folks still think of as teenagers, but that's not the case. Okay, the, the millennials are actually adults and they're in the workforce and they're very different than Gen Xers. And in many ways, they're almost a resurgence of the baby boomers. So there's a lot of them. So the two largest demographics in, in our society today are adults are the baby boomers and the millennials, and they're entering in the workforce. And the millennials grew up very different than Gen Xers. The millennials early on became known as the baby on board generation. 
you see these stickers every now and these decals that says baby on board, which is telling you to slow down, right? And not tell them because there's a baby on board, okay? So like, we got to protect that baby. Now, if you grew up as a Gen Xer, they just threw you in the back seat and said, good luck. All right, we'll see when we get there, okay? You're in a station wagon. There's no car seats. We certainly didn't wear helmets for any reason, okay? But the millennials were protected. In fact, you can study this and see how legislation was passed in every season of their life where you got to wear a helmet. You got to be safe. You got to do this because, you know, the Gen Xers, we're flying out of car windows and everything else. So the millennials, we kind of shifted. Now, here's what happened. Because of that, they were super encouraged and told they could do it. And they grew up with a really positive mindset. And, and they work together and they collaborate. And, and, and millennials are bringing that into the workforce. And sometimes in the office place, you've got differing values competing. Have you maybe experienced this? Now, don't point. Maybe you've experienced this at your own workplace, okay? And now the millennials also um, had this really interesting thing where because they were kind of put forth and celebrated, um, they've continued that in every season of their life. In, in fact, the phrase that maybe to, to describe millennials are celebrated in every season. Now, I'm pretty biased towards millennials. I'll, I'll just go ahead and you know, tell you right now, I'm very partial towards millennials because when I started in student ministry 22 years ago, my students were millennials. And I picked up on the fact that these middle school kids, they act a lot different than I did when I was in middle school. And and, 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 and I really liked that. And I've kind of grown up with them. And, you know, now all these years later in ministry, my middle school kids from years ago are married and raising their own kids. And I still keep up with them. And it's awesome. And, and I really enjoy that positive energy that millennials bring. But as we look at this, I'm going to leave this up here for a second. I want you just to kind of like look at the differing values. Okay, there's, there's just some differences. And some of the differences are fun. And some of the differences are a little bit more difficult to understand. Okay. So like Morgan and I, kind of Gen Xers, you know, we, we didn't grow up in the age of technology. Like we kind of had to learn technology. I mean, I got my first cell phone when I went to college. That makes me a relic, okay? That, that's what kids think about me today. But, but when we got engaged, like we're not millennials. So when we got engaged, like I asked her to marry me and nobody was there to capture it. Like it did not become a video on YouTube or social media. We didn't share it with anybody. And here's the thing, she still said yes. I know it's unbelievable, right? But have you seen now like big elaborate, like proposals, like what's going on there? That's millennials. They're celebrating. Every season of our life is celebrating. Like we have three boys, Sam, Jacob, and Henry, 13, 11, 7. We didn't do a baby reveal once. Like we didn't even know what that was. We just called our parents. Yep, we're having another boy. That was our baby reveal, okay? Now, like, you know what? You, you launch a, a, a cannon, you let a balloon, a hot air balloon, launch a rocket, you know, fire off a cannon. I mean, there's all kinds. Why? It's celebrating. I think it's awesome. Like I like celebrations. I like parties. So I really enjoy that. Now here's what's interesting about all of these different value systems. In the world, these can create a lot of problems. Because see, in the world, differences create division. And sometimes people think that when you come to a church, you gotta leave your differences behind. You gotta check your differences at the door. We're supposed to be one, but that's not what God's word teaches. Is see, what God's word teaches is that we can actually celebrate and value one another's differences. That because of Jesus, our differences don't have to create division. So we can have a lot of diversity racially. We can have a lot of diversity generationally. We can have a lot of diversity, here you go, politically, and we can all still love one another. Why? Because we're unified through the person of Jesus Christ. And that is our greatest testimony to a lost and dying world that needs Jesus. But here's the thing. I'm talking about the next generation today, and I haven't even mentioned them. So why are we at a pivotal crossroads, church? We are at a pivotal crossroads because if we're not careful, we as the adults can get so consumed 
with trying to understand each other and move forward together and which ministries do this for which group of adults that we forget there's this entire generation of kids and teenagers that we've actually been called to pass on this great message of hope too. So let's talk about them for a second, okay? Who is the generation that we're talking about? Well, somebody gave them the label Generation Z, and I think we need to come up with a better thing. That's just the last letter in the alphabet, okay? So I didn't come up with this, but that's what they've been labeled. Born in the 21st century. Isn't it crazy to think that just in a few weeks we're gonna be in 2023? How did that happen? So you can be born in the 21st century and be 22 years old. That, that feels, feels like that happened just like that. And so a lot of times, sociologists will call this generation the homelanders because a lot of them, they were born right when around September 11th and the Department of Homeland Security started. And so global terrorism, in a way where you could observe it up close and personal, has been a part of their life from day one. That's very different than if you grew up as a millennial, very different if you grew up as a Gen Xer. Here's the thing. Even before the pandemic, this generation had lived through two economic downturns. So there hasn't been this thought growing up that there's gonna be lots of stability and you can be anything you want when you grow up because they keep seeing the world do this and the world do that. And then think about the pandemic from their perspective. I mean, all of the adults were just arguing with each other about the best way to move through the pandemic. And guess who was getting the, the brunt of it? The kids, the teenagers. Y'all just go online and Zoom for a little while. It'll be fine while all the adults keep arguing. We're not even gonna know the challenges that that season of life presented to them until many years later as they were walking through that at this pivotal season of their life. And what I'm trying to help you see this morning is that generation is not necessarily seeing the, same, the world the same way that millennials did, okay? Not all of them. In fact, hang out with some teenagers. You'll leave encouraged. But, but I want you to see the difference, okay, when it comes to generations. And here's kind of the phrase that I would use to describe this generation, coping and hoping. There's a lot of negative ways that the next generation are coping with some challenges they're facing. But I believe they're hoping that things can get better. They're hoping that they can see their dreams fulfilled. They're hoping that the economy and the politics and all the adults won't stand in the way of them achieving what they believe God has placed in their heart, the calling he's placed in their life. I'm super hopeful because I believe this generation is the generation that will finally utilize technology for gospel purposes to the ends of the earth. It's just part of who they are. It's all they've ever known when it comes to technology. They never had to integrate their life. It's been there with them from day one. So there's so many positive things about this generation. But church, if we're not careful, we as the adults can miss the opportunity God has given us to really take the good news of the hope that we celebrate at Christmas and pass it on to the next generation. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna share three ways we're gonna do this. Three ways that we want to offer hope to the, the gift of hope, rather, to the next generation. So this, this is your message notes. I want you to jot these down. And here's what I'm challenging us, to, challenging us to do as a church. I'm challenging us as the adults to be unified with these three ways. And here, here's what I want to let you know. I'm so grateful that we already are. It is an honor to get to serve at a church as the pastor where the adults see the value of this. And, and we don't have a video like we just showed. We celebrate all that God's doing without the adults in this church getting this. And so thank you to so many of you who already embody this and celebrate this and make this happen. But if you're new to Vaughn Forest, I want you to know what you're stepping into. This is what unifies us as adults. We feel like we have been entrusted with the hope of the gospel message and to pass it on to the next generation. So let me tell you three ways that we've committed ourselves to doing this as a church. First of all, we want to be lovingly loud and clear to the next generation. You belong here because you matter. You belong here because you matter. 
we don't care what you look like, what you dress like, what you talk like, what you act like. You do not have to earn our acceptance. It's given to you because you matter. It's given to you because of who you are. It's given to you because you were created in God's image and your life has value and your life has purpose. And we don't expect you to believe like us before we will accept you. We will accept you just the way you are. And isn't that what Jesus did? When you study the four gospels, the people who were far from God, Jesus never asked them to change before he loved them and accepted them. He loved them and accepted them just the way they were in some supernatural way. That's what motivated them to follow Jesus. We believe the same is true for us today. And then here's the thing, church, here isn't just this campus. Here is wherever you go because the church is not a building. The church is a people. So let me challenge you. When you are around kids and teenagers from the next generation, do they feel like they belong? Do they feel loved? Do they feel accepted in your neighborhood, at work, at at their kids' school, wherever you may come across them? They don't want you to be like them. They know that you're not like them, but do they feel loved? Do they feel like they belong? Do they feel accepted? And we wanna be really loud and clear that that is the case here at Vaughn Forest Church. Here's the second way we wanna share this message of hope with the next generation. We wanna be lovingly loud and clear that we will adjust to you. We won't make you adjust to us. What do I mean by that? This next generation learns differently. You know, when I grew up in church, we, we had Sunday school classes and we would go and we would kind of sit at a table and we had to sit still. And I was told a lot, sit still and pay attention. And someone would talk to us for about 45 minutes and then we got a piece of candy if we behaved on our way out, okay? And it wasn't bad, it was fine. But you know, it was felt bored Jesus and all the rest, okay? And, and it was just different. Like if we tried to do that to kids today, like they're gonna rebel, they're, it's not gonna go well, okay? And, and I'm not trying to bash churches. Just hear my heart for a second, okay? Just, just, just being real for a second. Again, that was my thing, right? Next generation, just keep it real, okay? Now listen. There's a lot of churches that would say, we value kids and we value kids' ministry. The problem is that kids' ministry feels like it's 1985. feels like it's 1995. The kids have to adjust to the learning styles of the adults in order to learn about the Bible. And we're just quite simply saying, that's not gonna be the case here. That we will ask the adults to make the adjustment to you because we understand that kids learn differently. That's true for our kids. I mean, I, my boys learn more from a screen. I feel like that if I recorded a video of me telling them to do something and I put it on YouTube, went, look, dad has a YouTube channel. They would actually listen to me a lot better than me trying to talk to them, okay? They learn differently. So how does our kids ministry function? It functions in cooperation with this. Like our kids' ministry is high energy. It moves. There's lots of things that happen. We do have big TVs in every single room. Why? So the teachers can use them for visual aids when they're teaching God's word. They, they move around. They don't have to sit still the entire time. But can I tell you what's happening with your kids in our children's ministry? They're learning more about the Bible than you probably are. I know they're memorizing more about the Bible than you are. In fact, we might start that in the new year. We're gonna have Bible memorization in our adult services. Get ready. It's gonna be awesome, okay? We're gonna make you come up here and see if you can recite the verse. How fun would that be, right? And yet that's what they do. I was up there a few weeks ago because Chad was in here teaching. I mean, kid after kid coming up on stage, grabbing that microphone and, and quoting that Bible verse for the month. I had a parent this week stop me and show me a video of their kid quoting the Bible verse. So they're learning God's word because we're adjusting and sharing God's word with them in a way where they will receive it, okay? And that's our commitment to the next generation. We're, we're, we're gonna meet them where they're at, not ask them to meet us where we're at, okay? Here's the third commitment we make to share this great message of hope with the next generation. We wanna be lovingly loud and clear that we will keep sharing hope through the good news of the gospel. And this is what I love about this the most. The good news of the gospel doesn't change. We don't ever change our message. I mean, the, the, the story of Christmas is the same every single year. Isn't that remarkable? 
God, God came to earth by sending his son Jesus. And, and he sent his son Jesus to a virgin named Mary. And every year when you read the Christmas story, it's Mary and Joseph. It's the same story every year. I mean, you're not gonna read it one year and go, it's Bob and Judy, what happened? No, it's Mary and Joseph every single year. We don't change the story. The good news of the gospel message never changes. We're not gonna change the good news of the gospel message for the next generation, but we are gonna wrap it up a little differently. We're gonna present it a little differently. We're gonna let them receive the free gift of salvation in a way that makes sense to them. That's what I love about the gospel message is that it's always the same and we can present it in new and creative ways. What is the gospel message? I love this verse because it captures the good news of the gospel message in one verse, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. Now, this would be a really terrible verse if there was a period right here. Because if the wages of sin is death, period, we're in trouble because we're all sinners. But praise God, it's not a period. It's a comma. For the wages of sin is death, comma, but, the best but in the Bible. Did I say that? I just did. It's right there, okay? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What do we celebrate at Christmas? The gift of Jesus Christ. And it is a gift that God has given to us. Why? So that we can experience eternal life through Jesus and Jesus alone. And church, here's the truth for us as a church. Our greatest mission field are the kids and teenagers in our community. They're our greatest mission field. I'm really excited in 2023. We're, we're gonna be going overseas a lot more than we've been able to in the last couple of years. That's a part of who we are as a church. We're a church with a global focus. We believe that Jesus meant it when he said, take the gospel message to the ends of the earth. And, and we're gonna be doing a lot more of that in 2023. Really excited about that. But I don't, want to ever, I don't want us to ever lose sight that our greatest mission field, our greatest opportunity to share the gospel message is with the kids and the teenagers here in our community. I mean, study after study after study tells us that if people don't come to faith in Jesus Christ by the age of 18, the likelihood of that happening diminishes greatly. Now, if you're over the age of 18 in our community, we're coming after you too. We're gonna come after you with the love of Jesus. We're gonna come after you with the good news of the gospel message. We're, we're not discounting anyone. I mean, if you live within driving distance of our church, let's go, okay? We're gonna come after you with the gospel message. But we have to at least acknowledge that the kids and the teenagers give us the great opportunity, give us the best opportunity. We wanna see them come to faith in Jesus Christ early. We want them to start walking with Jesus early. We want them to plant their roots down deep is what Colossians chapter two says, early. And recognize that God can begin to use them now. They don't have to wait till later. Because here's the truth. The, the world that they're gonna step into at 18 is gonna be more difficult than the world that all of us who are adults stepped into when we were 18. And here's the thing. I don't think that that surprises God. I don't think that means we're supposed to cower back. I think the best days of the church are ahead of us, not behind us. And I think that this next generation is going to be the generation to lead us into those best days. What a great time to be alive. And isn't it remarkable that for those of us who are adults, God has called us to this great task for such a time as this. Would you bow your head with me this morning? And as you bow your head and as we prepare our hearts for a time of response, I want you to ask God, God, bring to mind a child or a teenager. Maybe it's your grandchild. Maybe it's your own child. Maybe it's a kid on your kid's ball team or a kid that is in an extracurricular activity with your kid and you're just recognizing we have an opportunity to point that student 
to Jesus. And as we pray, you're asking God to show you how he wants to use you to make that happen. And so God, as we come to you as your people this morning, we, we are humbled and we're excited that we get to be alive for such a time as this, that we are the people you have on the earth right now. And we have this great task in front of us to take the good news of the gospel message that has changed everything about our lives and pass it on to the next generation. Not in a way where they think high of us, not in a way where they think high of a church, but in a way where they think high of Jesus, where they begin to recognize that he wants to be the savior of their life, the Lord of their life, the king of kings in their life. And so Lord, as we enter into this time of response, burden us with a holy burden, with a high calling to move forward into this. As a church family, united as one, we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.